0: Today is April 25th, 2023. This is the Blockchain Journal podcast. I'm David Berlin, your host. I'm in Austin, Texas, where Consensus 2023 is about to start. I'm at one of the after-hours parties that's taking place on the eve of the event. So it's uh, late in the afternoon. It's warm outside. But standing with me are two big movers and shakers in the industry. One of them is Pascal Gautier. You are the CEO of Ledger. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. And yes, I am the CEO of Ledger. And and then also we have uh, uh, Brandon Russell, who is the CEO of uh, uh, Etana, which is a custody company, right? Correct. Thank you for hosting us. Yeah. Thanks for having. Thanks for being here. So uh, you guys have made an announcement, and we'll get to that. It's like a joint announcement that you're going to do. You're doing something for institutions and enterprises. So I I do want to talk about that. But at first, for the many people on our audience who are not familiar with who Ledger is. It's hard to believe that some people might not be familiar, but not not everybody in the enterprise audience knows about wallets and and, and Ledger and uh, what custody is all about and what
1: Etana does. Let's start there. So uh, Pascal, what does Ledger do? Look, Ledger at heart is a security company. So what we do, we are, our mission is to make uh, critical digital assets secure and easy to use. And we do this for the retail, but also for the enterprise. And so what we do for Enterprise and what we do for Itana is we give them a security platform that does two things. Security of the private keys, also governance on top of the private keys, like who has access to what, who is allowed to do what, and segregation of duties between administrators and operators. So in a nutshell, this is what we do. So this is an important issue because a lot of times we hear about wallets, but
0: for most part, the wallets we hear about all the time in the news and they're talked about are personal wallets. It's where you keep your crypto. Sometimes the wallet is a custodial wallet. Sometimes it's a non-custodial wallet. But for enterprises, you just can't like give one person a wallet and say, "Okay, you're in charge of it all because that presents certain risks. Is that right?
1: Of course. I mean, if you sit on a billion dollar worth of crypto, and you have access to the private key and and I have access to the private key and this gentleman has a, like, who's going to do what? Like, who's going to be first to go to Costa Rica? And so what you do is you want to put a governance layer on top of the coins to make sure that we know, and it's in within the security enclave, we know what are the, the rules of engagement toward the crypto, who can spend what, who can send what, where, etc. So it is a sophisticated piece of technology and that's what we do. We only do the piece of technology and then we power companies like Etana so they can actually do their job on top of it. Okay, let's go to Etana now. A lot of people
0: don't even
2: know what custody means. So what is custody? Uh, essentially, it's keeping your assets safe. The, at the core of it, that's what it is. Uh, essentially, you're having a outsourced company manage your assets for you. The same way that you would have a bank look after your cash and dollars in a bank account. So, we're all used
0: to having somebody be the custodian of our assets. If we have a bank account, we have a custodian.
2: Is that right? Essentially,
0: correct. But not all banks are capable of being custodians
2: of cryptocurrency. Is that right? That is correct. Uh, There's uh, a reluctance right now by banks because there's a lack of guidance on the regulatory side for them to get into this game.
0: When I write a check uh, that's from my bank, then the bank is the one that settles the transaction for me. Essentially. So I'm assuming that when you act as a custodian for your corporate clients, your enterprise clients, you handle the settlement side of things?
2: Yeah, it's a little bit more complicated than that. From Etana's point of view, we're much more interested in the trade lifecycle. We want to see uh, counterparty risk mitigated, so we don't want to see assets put onto exchanges and we have an FTX uh, event. Um, And then uh, what that really means is we're seeing assets held at Etana or for the benefit of the underlying client. And then all those trade workflows, the post-trade settlement and the clearing, Itana handles all those instructions downstream, which is why the partnership with Ledger really makes a lot of sense. All
0: right, so let's talk a little bit about the partnership with Ledger. You guys have made a big announcement here, and both of you bring something to make the the, the whole greater than the sum of its parts, right? So you have the custodial, custodian part taken care of, you have the, the Ledger the wallet technology taken care of, the security without the private keys, I'm assuming like that's that's what's going on here. So tell me, who wants to talk about what exactly the two of you are doing?
2: Yeah, I think the first part is to understand the nuance of custody. So um, the, when we talk about custody, what we mean by that is that we are regulated custodian that uh, in our case is under the division of banking in the state of Colorado. Um, but uh, the uh, custody is, is to us is more than just holding an asset. It's it's literally that we have oversight and that uh, we are meeting certain uh, checkboxes when it comes to uh, satisfying institutional interests in the space. Without that, institutions are not really going to adopt anything that's happening in the crypto space.
0: So institutions can, uh, because you understand compliance and regulation, institutions are basically outsourcing the compliance to you by using you as a custodian?
2: Yes. At the heart of it, that is the, that is the gist of it. They institutions increasingly they want to get involved in the space. There's so many hurdles they have to overcome. The one is they have to get the, they have to first get comfortable with the crypto space itself, which is this outlying asset. The second thing they have to do is say, right, who are our counterparties that we want to trade with? How many do um, do we actually trust? If we put assets over there, do we know that tomorrow they are still going to be there? Um, and then uh, then lastly is the actual components holding of holding the digital asset. Um, can that can that wallet infrastructure be hacked? How secure is that? What is the insurance on it? Uh, there's a whole lot of thought that goes into this process of engaging the space that this partnership makes uh, possible.
0: So ledger supports somewhere over something like 1,800 different cryptocurrencies. Are you bringing the governance part of that, the enterprise governance part of it, to this
1: partnership? Is that is that where you fit in? Yeah. So we are custody technology, and they are the custodians. So. They're a financial service we are a technology company and so you need uh, you need those two bricks basically to to build that role but what's happening right now was very interesting and this is like sort of a post ftx movement and uh and it actually it is only that crypto is becoming much more traditional finance because in the traditional finance the exchange is not the custodian, and you get the segregation of duty between the exchange piece and the custody piece. It was not the case actually in crypto, and the FTX debacle is all about this. Like you know, FTX was the custodian and the execution engine for the exchange. And what's happening right now, what we're trying to build with Itana, is actually this: where exchange is going to do the trading piece, but the custody is going to be done by a regulated custodian. And so we are, you know, uh, trying to be the best partners possible with Itana, so they can actually bring that in the market and which means more security for investors because if the coins are not on the exchange you don't have that counterparty risk anymore and so what's happening right now is very profound for the industry and it's happening now when 12 to 18 months ago would have been more difficult because the exchanges were keeping the funds It, it seems like what you're saying is is that until
0: things started to restructure this way that was a major obstacle to adoption by a lot of institutions was that that kind of structure where the exchange did everything,
1: yeah, I think that's correct. And uh, two things need to happen: one, the technology needs to be out there, and which is what we have now. But also, you needed some players like Itana to you know take that uh, pilgrim uh, baton, you know, and, uh, and, and do and do the work. I was always very surprised,
0: you know, when you when you think about something like FTX or, or any other company that's structured like that. The New York Stock Exchange is not a brokerage house, right? Like, like, wh- wh- Why is that? Well, I think there's a separation of church and state, and there's something about regulation that makes sure that that's the case. But here you had uh, an exchange that was both a custodian, they were also kind of a, a brokerage, and uh, they also run a chain and have a stable coin. These things, these seem like competing interests that should not be under one roof, is that right?
2: It's a nice end asset class. And so you're going to get this. Uh, the infrastructure did not exist when a lot of the exchanges came to play. And so they became all things to all men. Uh, they were the uh, execution venue, they're the custodian, the settlement venue, they're absolutely everything. I think as the industry matures, and this is what we're starting to see now, you're starting to see different players actually start to play their role. And I think your regulation, when it comes into play, will actually dictate that. Um, I think there is a, uh, a foreshadowing over here by the exchanges where they're starting to realize that the framework is actually about to change, and they're starting to actually have meaningful conversations about adopting traditional capital market infrastructure.
0: Certainly this week is a big week. There's a bunch of conversations taking place in Washington, D.C. right now about that very thing. I think you've got uh, regulators and lawmakers sort of at each other's throats. It's it's an interesting situation. Um, Going back to the fact that Ledger already supported something like 1,800 cryptocurrencies, are you guys going to support that many cryptocurrencies in what you're doing or is there going to be, is it like a subset of those 1,800?
2: So our subcustodial layer is a function, in terms of the support, is a function of what our partners can support. So we can custody 1,800 crypto assets or whatever the number is that Ledger continue to evolve into. The, um, the reality from the trading side is a little bit different. We certainly want to make sure that we're mindful of what uh, the SEC and the CFTC are uh, pushing down our lane in terms of what we are actually able to support from a trading perspective as it relates to settling those assets.
0: How many institutions are, or enterprises I should say, are trading for the purposes of investment and how many are just keeping crypto in reserve for the purpose of paying chain, chain fees based on whatever volume of transactions they're doing on the chain and whatever it costs at any given moment to to, to uh, transact.
2: I was hoping you would pass the mic to him. I have no idea what the answer yeah, is. No idea. no idea.
1: No idea. It's
2: a great question. No idea.
1: <laughs> no, nobody knows the answer to that. Well, because, I mean, so are, are you
0: doing this primarily in service of the institutions that are on the investing side?
2: We, we see demand uh, from um, traditional financial institutions, um, professional money managers, hedge funds, uh, like that, who want to access digital markets in a safe and compliant fashion, and uh, that's really the primary uh, inertia for this conversation. I think um, uh, the uh, retail side of it will follow in, in hand because it is a, a it is an asset class that is really heavy retail focused.
0: What about the data side of things? So. You guys are essentially in the workflow of all of this, all of these transactions, uh, ERP systems are particularly lacking when it comes to their ability to work with crypto. There are a few companies out there like Bitwave that take care of this. What assurances do the various enterprises and institutions have that uh, the data that uh, surrounds transactions or whatever their activities are with the combined solution that you're putting together will properly record in their systems?
2: Uh, great question. Um, uh, I think at the heart of it is, um, from a data perspective, uh, we have the ability to collect a lot of it and we can share that. Um, we don't really have a lot of uh, uh, guidance on where that is directed right now. Uh, I think partnerships like Bitwave uh, and like that, where they are thought leaders and they they provide the, they they blaze that path. I think uh, partnering with people like that really uh, attends to that uh, problem that you uh, that you spoke to.
0: Pascal, uh, what is a typical governance setup up in an enterprise? How do they, how many people are have their hands on the enterprise wallet, who's doing what? How does that work so that nobody runs
1: off with everything? Uh, it's a bit of a trick question because it really depends and my answer will be uh, not satisfactory to you and the, and the viewers, but it really depends on the institution. I think what the, the most important thing is <laughs> the segregation of duties with administrators on one side and operators on the other and you don't want the Administrators to be operating the funds as well because otherwise let me pause you there.
0: What, what, what's an administrator and what's an operator?
1: Administrator is the person who's going to decide on how the funds how the operators can engage with the funds But the administrator himself cannot engage with the funds if you see what I mean
0: Like a decision like a transaction decision maker
1: correct, so typically we have ledger enterprise uh, for ledger for a treasury management because we hold coins I'm an administrator Uh, But my finance team is the operator, so I decide the rules of engagement and my finance team is executing within the rules of engagement. So they cannot do anything that is without the rules that were pre-decided. And me, I cannot engage, I cannot operate the funds myself because I'm an administrator.
0: And is it your technology that has all of the,
1: the permissions and the identities to manage all of that? Yes, correct. This is what you program first and you program in a security layer And so the uh, administration of the funds is enforced by the security layer. And so somebody sets all the policies, maybe uh, a chief blockchain officer. So the CEO and the CFO in our case, so I'm talking the case of ledger, CEO and CFO set the policy, and operators from the financial team can then operate within those policies. But in a really big enterprise, it might not be the CEO and the CFO, there might be other people in the organization that are doing this sort of thing? Probably, but you still have a set of administrators that won't be operators, and a set of operators that won't be administrators. But, and then you can, uh, you can have uh, you know, as many administrators as you want and as many operators as you want. But administrators, usually it's a small set, and operators can be a big set of people. Does this live separate from
0: identity access management systems that, that are already in place at enterprises? Is it completely separate? Do you integrate with those in a way that there could be a central way of managing all that?
1: No, it's separate. I would say. Uh, were you talking about like sort of different things that are sort of related and that are in this chain of custody, uh, the the rules of engagement that are under the security hood? Are really, like you know the way that people engage with funds. I give you an example. Société Générale, Jérôme Gerviel. Uh, Was it four or five billion dollars that got, you know, traded and sort of lost? The big question and, you know, the reason why Jérôme Kerviel got fired was nobody understood whether he was allowed to do what he did or not. And so the chain of custody wasn't clear. At least that's what Société Générale said, and that's why Jérôme Kerviel sort of lost uh, the lawsuit. He claimed different. With our technology, none of that can happen. Like, no one can spend money at Itana, or no one can send money at Itana if it has not been pre-approved by the administrator, So you cannot have like suddenly $10 million that go to an unknown address or misspend. That's not possible. And we're, and we're standing next to the
0: administrator
1: right here. Right. Okay,
0: well, Pascal Gautier, CEO of Ledger, uh, Russell Brand, uh, uh, Brandon, Brandon Russell. I almost made you a movie star. And, uh, yeah. Brandon Russell. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: um, thank you very much for joining us on the uh, Blockchain Journal podcast. Awesome.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you. Merci.